buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronding and Gary Callagher here on 610 KDAL um, until, from 12 o'clock until 1 o'clock. And Gary, good afternoon. How are you today? Jim, we're real good. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. It was just a fabulous weekend up here in the Twin Ports. I don't think you can ask for much better weather. Had a little bit of rain on Sunday, but uh, uh, what a great weekend and what a great spell of nice weather that we've had up here. It's, so it's really nice when you, we suffer through, uh, I shouldn't say suffer, but we, we deal with the long winters up here and the long springs. And, uh, really nice to be outside and just enjoy it. Well, I was saying though, over this weekend, I'm like, well, I complained about the cold and now I'm complaining about the heat because it was hot. Yeah, I won't complain. You'll never hear me complain about the heat. You never <laughs> okay. will. The, the other thing, Jim, that I think it really lends itself well to, when you look at the Twin Ports, um, one of the, the, the beautiful things about this area is just the, all the natural beauty and the lakes and the rivers and the trails and the biking and, and being able to get out and really enjoy it at this time of the year. Just a, a fabulous uh, area for that, that type of stuff. And so... Uh, uh, I believe a lot of people took time this weekend to, you know, with everything that was canceled, with all the fourth, fourth festivities that were canceled and the fireworks that were canceled, I think people really just took a step back and hung out with their families and and really enjoyed being together as people. I think uh, uh, there were a number of situations that I was aware of, and uh, uh, I just think it was that that kind of a weekend for people to enjoy their families and one another and, and get together and, and not have to worry about, hey, let's go down to the Bayfront or let's go to this or do whatever and uh, just hung out together. And I think that's great. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, that doesn't mean that Canal Park wasn't full and thriving because it certainly was. Um, there were a lot of people down um, walking around Canal Park. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very. Very, very nice 4th of July. The only part that I didn't like was, um, oh, let's see, what time was I sleeping? Probably about 11 o'clock when it seemed like fireworks were going off right in my own backyard. That's how loud they were. Um, and I was I was very happy when they ended about, only about 10 minutes later. So, and these some of those fireworks really have a big impact and. In 10 minutes, I was the, the thing that made me smile is in 10 minutes, I bet you that cost that probably a couple hundred bucks at least. So, did you buy any fireworks this year, Gary? No, I did not. I did not do that this year. And uh, did you say, did you see that they were, they had record sales? No. I oh, didn't, I yeah. Didn't notice any of that. I, and really, quite frankly, I didn't notice any of these outlets in Duluth that you they normally set up shop you know I didn't see any where you could buy these fireworks so I know that they were across the bridge and oh, I, they were, where the people were going over there to buy it but well there were some in Wisconsin but they were all over the place in Duluth um 
you know, right on Haynes Road there, there was a church and they had a, you know, um, huge setup in the parking lot. And I saw, I saw rather large ones in both states. So very interesting. I'm, uh, uh, um, you know, happy 4th of July, United States, but I'm for one, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad all the fireworks are over now. So my dog can go back to being normal and not being scared. So interesting. All right. So, um, one of the things that I want to talk about that seems to be rearing its ugly head again is COVID. Um, there are, there's more cases pop up in St. Louis County. Um, as of Tuesday, July 7th, 15 new COVID cases in St. Louis County, largest single day increase yet. And I know in, on the Wisconsin side in Superior, several establishments were voluntarily closed because of new COVID cases. Um, and I, I want to know what you think. Do you think that we could go back to a problem here? Well, I think, sure, I think we certainly could. I think it's, the, the likelihood of it is is way up there, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I also think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of news out there, Jim, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I read a lot of news, and, you know, I'm, I, I get a lot of different news sources, and uh, and I read a lot of different things, and you know one of the one of the, the biggest you know I think uh, not concern that I have, but one of the things I'm questioning is you know hey what are you know they're telling us all these numbers and everything, and and they're saying that these things are spiking, but they're also indicating some of what they call disinformation on these numbers, and so it, I don't know if it's real, uh, and and what the numbers are actually are actually being reported are actually real. So I think we have, uh, I think we just have to, you know, somehow get through this and everybody be careful and cautious and aware of everything, but also understand that I think, you know, what what is really being put out there may not be as completely accurate as as people want, may believe it to be. And so... So until we learn everything about it, I, I'm just keeping an open mind on like really what's real and everything. And uh, you know, I, I think you know one of the situations that are going on in some of these communities across Minnesota uh, are, are starting to mandate these masks in public places. And uh, yeah, uh, so I think yeah, I think we definitely could go into another shutdown mode. I don't think that's out of the, the realm, but uh, uh, I hope that that some of the science and some of the the, the, uh, the medical professionals that are out there that that are saying one thing versus some that are saying other things come together and try to say, hey, what's the reality of this situation? What's really going on? Is this a, is this really uh, uh, as bad as people are making it out to be? And and if if uh, if it is okay, then we'd be careful. If not, well, let's try to put this behind us as quickly as we can. Well, let me give you some stats here, according to the Tribune, um, and this is from um, July 7th, so this would be last Tuesday, well, this most recent Tuesday. St. Louis County is right around 200 cases and 14 deaths. Um, Carlton County is about 90 cases. Um, it doesn't look like they've had anybody die. Itasca County... 
about 70 cases with 12 deaths. No deaths in, in Douglas County, but there are a, almost, uh, well, there's a little bit over 50 cases. And um, then you've got some of the counties, like Cook County has one case, Bayfield has, has four, Ashland County has three. So, I'm sorry, Douglas County is 46, St. Louis County is 196. So those numbers are, to me, they're a little bit maybe alarming. It is maybe the, the um, it's too hard to put it, but I think it's something that, that we all have to be very aware of and, uh, you know, be careful and... Um, I definitely um, am starting to wear my mask on uh, a lot of appointments, all of them coming up here now. So, because I, I think more more than me catching it, I mean, geez, you know, we we are out there in the public quite a bit. So uh, I don't really want to give it to anybody more than anything else. So, but it's kind of sad that it's spiking again, if you ask me. Well. Listen, I, I suffered through H1N1, and I will say this, H1N1 almost killed me. And, really? You know, we weren't, and I, I believe the numbers on that one were just, like, staggering in the amount of deaths of it. And, uh, and I, I just recall that, that I thought, boy, this is over for me. I'm going to, I'm just going to succumb to this thing. So I'm, what, you know, and, uh, uh, and we weren't, you know, there wasn't a, 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 the big uh, out you know, pouring of like, hey, we got to take care of it. And I think that H1N1 was a really bad one. And, uh, uh, you know, COVID, I'm not going to take it for granted and uh, we'll do what we got to do. But how it affects the real estate market, Jim, I mean, are we going to, you know, if they if they mandate these masks, uh, are we going to have to go in when we go on showings in meetings with people? I mean, what's that going to do to us as the real estate community, uh, you know, moving forward? You know, if we go to show houses, are we going to be, you know, in our mask and, and, and doing that type of stuff. And so ultimately, you know, I've seen some of the, you know, Rochester and Mankato have mandated these things. And, uh, you know, some of what they consider the public places, and it's quite extensive. And so it's, uh, you know, I believe that if, if, we, if Duluth mandates this, that we will, um, you know, be in a situation to where we're all going to be, you know, wearing masks and, uh, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, I think the, I think the one in Rochester, I, or I, I don't remember if it was Rochester or Mankato, was a sixty day. Uh, it expired in sixty days unless they extended it. So, um, but but as anything, I think we all have to be careful and cautious and and, and be aware of, of you know what we're doing when we're doing it in public. And like you said, you know, us as real estate agents, we're out there in the public line. You know, we're going to the people's houses, we're meeting with people. And it's it's just one of those things that you know we we have to we have to be cautious about it. We just have to respect everybody else's opinion on what they believe. You know, uh, is, is going on with this thing, and, and I I'm uh, I'm I'm all for that. You know, but uh, um, I hope uh, I just hope that we can get a handle on this thing. And, yeah, twenty twenty has been a wild year. Yes, no doubt yep. about it. And uh, the sooner we can move on from 2020, I think the better we'll all be. And uh, uh, you know, hopefully, there's some type of a, of, a, of a normal lifestyle that we can all get back into. But but I'll tell you something. Based on what I'm reading, I think it's going to be a long time before people come back and 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 are comfortable with uh, doing things that they're doing. And 
and uh, I'll give you an example. You Wait, know? why don't you hold that thought? We got We're coming up on our first break. Hold that thought, and we'll be right back, folks. You're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronnie and Gary Callagher here from Remax Results. Gary, give out your phone number. Folks, you can reach me at 218-390-0615. And my number is 218-348-7653. So we were talking about COVID-related, um, well, there's an uptick. Um, and um, what was your thought before I went to break? Well, I think things like the, the restaurants and the bars and everything, I feel really bad for, for our local community, Jim, with, with how people are, are um, you know, approaching this and the possible shutdown again, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I just hope people will, will abide by the rules and keep these small businesses going because if they shut them down again, it's going to be, uh, I, I just don't know if they're going to, recover and we can't have that you know these small businesses are the lifeline of our communities and uh, uh, we need to keep them going so I just I hope they I hope everybody adheres to the, the guidelines that they've set and that they don't have to experience another shutdown and close their doors because that'll be that'll be devastating it'll be catastrophic for for the twin ports because we have we have a delicate balance of, of uh, the industry that we have that employs people the jobs and, and everything, you know, how, how everything goes around and, and works and everything. And so to start losing businesses and, and money, and it's just going to affect us all in the long run. So uh, let's just all be safe and take it easy. And there you go. Well, a couple notes on that. So um, the Tribune also did some some surveys or the, there was a survey that they, they were um, um, that they were talking about. And it says, like, 55% of adults nationwide say they're more likely to travel within their home state. Um, 71% said they're considering skipping vacations altogether. Um, now that said, tourism is is getting better in um, in the Twin Ports. Uh, the hotel motel tax revenue was down 87% in April. But in June, it says that hotels saw occupancy up to 70%. So, like I said, I saw a lot of people around Canal Park. We were on a boat, um, tons of people. And uh, so the beaches were full, that was for sure. Um, so it's just very interesting. But, you know, when, you, when we were talking about masks, um, you know, Duluth Mayor Emily Larson sent a letter to Governor Waltz and, and Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan urging them to adopt a statewide mask mandate. So there's that movement too. And I've heard this before I heard that she wrote a letter. I heard that um, there's movement in both states to try to get you know, mandatory masks when you go into stores and things of that nature just to try to stop it from surging again. And I actually agree with it. I think that, you know, it's about time that we face it and, and we try to be a little bit more responsible instead of being crazy. So um, there's a lot of people, though, that take it very seriously, like, you know, that's my right to not have to wear a mask. And I guess I understand it, but um, I got to tell you that the numbers and what's going on locally here um, is kind of getting my attention. 
um, in kind of a big way. So I know for me, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be careful about it. Like I said, I don't want to get it. You don't want to get it. You, you had H1N1 and, and wow, you thought it was going to kill you. Um, and this is really severe for a lot of people and you never know. I mean, if you get it, you never know if you're going to be one of the easy, easy accounts or if you're going to be one of the ones that has a really hard time with it. So I think most of us would just rather not even, um, succumb to it at all. So, all right. Well, listen, Jim, on, and the, on the real estate front, I think there, there's been some interesting news that's been coming out uh, post uh, the initial phase of this pandemic. And uh, one of the more interesting articles that I read this week uh, was posted by a guy named Tyler Clifford, and uh, it was on Realtor.com. And it was from a uh, the president and CEO of a company called Marcus and Melchap, and they... Oh, yeah. uh, uh, they uh, are a big commercial type of a, a, a entity that uh, is out of California. And I, he, he made some interesting comments in this article. And he's, what his opinion on, on post-COVID, the first phase of this, is that this health crisis has sped up the movement of millions of millennials out of the downtown areas of our major suburban areas and that the demand for central business districts is also going to be affected here that you're now seeing an exodus of these commercial businesses moving into or wanting to move and relocate into the suburbs of these different communities and we're talking primarily these large metro areas you know as he refers to uh, you know, New York, Chicago, Nashville, you know, all of these, these, these big uh, major areas. Uh, but the other part of it is, too, he said that primarily the millennial uh, population of people, uh, the first phase of the millennials is, is starting to hit their 30s. And primarily, they really enjoyed living in the center, central city locations, downtowns, uh, where they had access to nightlife and walking and and uh, public transportation. It was just an easy way of life that they really embraced. And they really brought a uh, an energy into these metro areas. But because of this pandemic and because of, of the millennials aging now and starting to have families, they're starting to flee these areas. And they're starting to move away from them and get out into the more, uh, you know, semi-rural suburb type of a situation and so uh, the the um, for the short term and he talks about for the next two years he believes that they're going to see an exodus of of commercial businesses and um, uh, you know people from single-family homes uh, moving out of these areas and and it's primarily due to the uh, uh, the issues in the heavily populated, dense urban areas that people just said, you know, this is enough is enough. You know, we're out of here. We want our own space. We want to be away from all this stuff. And uh, I, I felt that was, was kind of an interesting thing. And, and I, I don't know. I don't think we see it up here. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. But uh, I thought that he, uh, he really kind of hit home with, with his opinion on this thing and, and what he felt uh know was going to take place in the next uh two years um 
Yeah, I uh, you know here's here's how I would put it to you. Do I agree? Do I do I see the point? Yeah, I do. And and here's here's how I would think about it. How would you feel if you lived in New York City? If I lived in New York City with what's going on and what had happened down there, that would be the last place I would want to stay. So I totally understand that movement that you're talking about. Um, and I think that's another reason why the Twin Ports real estate economy is still so healthy is I think that there's a lot of people that are looking for the, you know, the quote unquote healthier places to be, you know, and then one where when you are, um, wanting to do something, you don't want to be in crowds. Like you were talking about earlier in our first segment, you know, what can we do around here? Well, we have a huge advantage, right? Because you can do anything you can think of around here. If you want to go fishing, you want to go boating, you want to go golfing, you want to go hiking, you want to go mountain biking. I mean, these trails are crazy. And I've watched films of some of these, some of these, um, people with their bikes and, and how they go down these trails and things is just amazing to me. Um, and you've got, you know, the big lake. You've got, you know, the biggest, cleanest lake in the world. Um, and i got to tell you, Gary, this year, looking into that water out there in the middle of the lake, it's just so gorgeous. Lake Superior is so gorgeous um, and so clean. Um, yeah, I can see that's that will be driving our real estate economy around here. I think for some time to come because many of these companies, you know, you know, like we talked about in the past, you know, people, everybody's learned how to work from home. And I think a lot of companies are going to stay that way. And uh, then you can pick where you want to live. So a lot of people are migrating up here, it seems to me. Good for our market. What well, do you think? I, 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 agree with, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with numbers, uh, one of, one of the, the statistics that they gave is that uh, 60% of the millennials, and this is people that are born between, I think it was 1981 through mid-1990s, 96, was the, the millennial population. 60% of those millennials are now in their 30s. And they are actually, they make up the largest percentage of home buyers across the country right now. Right. And so... You know, and I, I believe the number, I don't remember what the exact number was, but I believe the number was up upwards of like 125 million with the millennial population. Uh, and, and we talked about this several years ago where, you know, when these people come of age, this is going to be a massive consumer, uh, you know, these people are going to buy stuff and that's a lot of people. And so now that they're coming of age, they're, they really have, I think, the power and the ability to, like, dictate migrations, movements, what's going to happen, you know. And, and these, these, uh, this demographic is computer savvy. They grew up in the computer age, basically, and they know, you know, they know what to do. So working from home for them or working remotely, I don't think it's a challenge for them. I think they're really well adapted to this and that they, they will uh, – they could end up embracing this type of a lifestyle. And so if we're going to see this migration of people moving out of these dense populated urban areas, you know, it's primarily going to be that demographic. Those millennials are going to be moving out into these areas, Jim. And, and, and really what, what could happen is you could see 
location to different areas and you can see growth you could see sprawl in housing uh, these residential areas could spring up all over the place. You could see people moving into different parts of the country. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the migration into Montana. You know, uh, you know, last week we talked about the family from California that moved up here just to buy a house. So, I mean, you could see this type of stuff happening with this age demographic. And, uh, you know, they looked, uh, one of the searches that they did also uh, within this article is that, you know, they deal with how people search real estate by zip codes and that the in May the search uh, for suburban zip codes spiked it, it doubled in May uh, with people searching online for what they would consider suburban uh, zip code areas across the country that's phenomenal yeah that is that's just phenomenal data that that you're you're doubling the amount of, of of searches that people are looking at getting out of these major cities, you know, and then and then what does that mean for, for these major metro cities, you know, and and these major cities that they really refer to as New York, Seattle, Miami, uh, Nashville, Phoenix, and Utah. I mean, this is what they quoted in the uh, the article. What does that mean for their their central business areas that are there? I mean, you're already starting to see vacancies in uh, a lot of these commercial areas. And you know, what does that mean for them? Are, are, they, are, are the vacancy rates for these commercial properties going to go way up? Are condo sales, are, are condo vacancies going to spike? What's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that um, are they going to spike? Are they going to lose value? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're going to see that the, uh, the values are going to have to be affected ultimately if that's what's going to, that's what's going to be happening. You know, and I think you and I know that that's kind of what's keeping our area so popular is that it, it, it's so spread out. Um, yeah, it's just very interesting. And I, I think that uh, time will tell, of course, as they say. Um, but, yeah, the future is going to be holding some interesting, uh, interesting uh, ramifications up here in real estate. And uh, I'm kind of positive about it, that's for sure. But... I think it's kind of time that we pay attention a little bit more to what's going on with the COVID thing. And, and um, yeah. What do you think is really well, I driving? Think... I was going to ask you, what do you think is really driving? Do you think it's the, the COVID that's driving them out? Or do you think that it's just the ability that they can kind of live anywhere and work anywhere? Or a combination of both? Well, I think the COVID, the, this pandemic was the trigger. I think when, when, you know, in the midst of all this stuff, as, as the severity of it rose, right. um, I think people realized that, you know, hey, the more we're around people, the more likely we have a chance of, of, of getting this. And so, you know, think about it, Jim, when you're in these major metro areas and they have all these, these downtown buildings and you're in elevators with people, you're on escalators, you're holding the escalator handles, you walk up the stairs, you're holding the handles, you're touching doors. I mean, there's so many ways that you can pick these viruses up that I think people just kind of, you know, open their eyes to this and it's like, wow, you know, if we just stay in our house and we don't do anything, we have, uh, we're less likely to get this. And so I think it, yeah. it as we, as, as this evolved into what it evolved into, I think people really took notice about their lifestyles and, uh, 
it's changed the way people think about it. And so, yeah, I think it uh, it, it it makes it, it has an impact on what people are going to do and how they're going to live and what they how they want to live and and where they uh, choose to do their activities and all that stuff. And so, I think uh, I think you could see a big like this guy says an exodus out of these major metro areas into the suburbs. And and then the big question becomes. Is it going to recover? When will it ever will it ever come back? Right. Yeah. Well, very interesting. All right, Gary, we're up on our second break here, folks. You're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from Remax Results, uh, folks. If you want to reach me, find my phone number is two one eight three four eight seven six. Five three and Gary, what's your phone number? I'm at two one eight three nine zero zero six one five. All right. So this segment, we want to get into something that we run into um, with every real estate sale. I, as a matter of fact, I don't remember the last time I had a home sale without a home inspection. Um, we want to talk about home inspections and just give you a, kind of an overview of of what it is that these gentlemen do and, and ladies do when they are in your home doing an inspection. First of all, Gary, I think it's very important to understand that um, there's a couple of different ways of looking at a roof. That's just, you know, there are people that will have a ladder and they'll crawl up on the roof um, and take pictures from up there. And I've also noticed that there are a lot of inspectors now that have drones um, and they just fly their drone just a little bit higher and then they videotape and take pictures that way. Um, When's the last time, Gary, that you were out on a home inspection? Um, a week ago. Okay. Uh, uh, July third. That's about the Friday same. Before July fourth. Yeah, about the same with me too. And it was a very interesting experience. Um, this particular house that we were at had uh, a crawl space, and um, we got there when the uh, home inspection was pretty much had wrapped up everything inside. But it was interesting to watch him get suited up, you know, to go underneath the house, um, you know, to examine a crawl space. And boy, we that, that trap door there opened. Uh, he crawled in, and we didn't see him for 15 minutes, you know. And uh, he, was, he was, you know, bouncing around down there, taking pictures and coming up with uh, any things that were anything of interest down there, anything, any, any kind of a problem. Um... And then popped back out, took his overalls off and his coveralls off, and um, went on to the next thing, you know. So Was he, was he sweating? Because it was pretty yeah, hot. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, space, it was, it was 86 <laughs> degrees, you know, outside. And, oh. you know, he had a, he had a, his, um, I think he was wearing shorts, um, which I think is understandable. But then he had his, you know, covered from head to toe in his coveralls. Yeah, he was pretty sweaty when he got out of there. So, yeah. But it was interesting, and, and the things that they look for under there um, are, you know, like they look for signs of moisture, they look for signs of uh, ventilation for sure, um, and, um, you know, in the home inspection itself, you know, other than underneath a house or on top of the house, I mean, man, they look at everything, don't they, Gary? Well, they do. I mean, and, and that's a good thing. Those crawl spaces, I mean, there's a lot of things that you got to be aware of when you buy out to the crawl space. And, you know, I mean, 
you know, one of the things, I mean, if it's open dirt down there, I mean, that's, you could be dealing with radon. You should be having a radon test for a house like that. I mean, what's the house built on? Is it built on a concrete block? And what's the condition of the concrete block? Right. Is it built on a, a concrete, small concrete perimeter or wood posts or whatever? So there's a lot of things to look at underneath that house. Where's the furnace? Is the furnace down there? You know, the venti and all that type of stuff. It's, uh, right. Uh, Got to be really aware of that, that stuff on, on these crawl spaces. You know, and, and, and you could just stop at, we could talk about the heating systems of a house and how they're inspected on a home inspection. There are so many ways to have a house heated and cooled these days that home inspectors have to know a lot about all of these systems. Um, we've sold many systems out in the county now where, you know, they have, they have a more natural, um, you know, from the earth kind of heating system. You've got hot water heating system. You've got forced air heating system combined with, um, hopefully, this time of year, air conditioning. Um, and uh, it's just amazing um, how many different sources or how many different ways that they have to look at how a house is heated and cooled alone. So these people have to be very well educated and know what they're looking at when they're looking at it. Yeah. Well, and... It, it, Going to inspections, if you're done, I'll go into one of the issues that I'm starting to see people deal with. And, uh, uh, you know, with the sewer lateral lines that, that we're yeah. dealing with and, and uh, with the different municipalities that are hooked up to the Western Lake Superior Sanitary District, uh, and they started the, uh, the, they didn't mandate it for all the communities, but as of mid-February of this year, uh, these, these all these communities that are hooked up to the uh, WLSSD, uh, the sewer system, they have to uh, uh, provide the WLSSD uh, annually with reports on uh, the properties that are contributing or not contributing to the property. So there are a couple of communities, Jim, that are, are have what we call point of sales. It's like we do deal with the sump pump here in Duluth that, you know, when we sell a house, it has to be inspected to see if it needs a sump pump or if it has a sump pump, they still have to come out and, and view it. And, and, and I'll, I'll give Proctor as, as an example. I've had a couple sales in Proctor this year, and uh, both of them, you know, we have to deal with, with having the sewer lateral line cameraed to make sure that it's, it's functioning properly, that it's not damaged, there aren't tree roots, that type of stuff. And, and so a couple of these inspectors now have purchased the cameras and and they they'll come as part of the inspection they come out and they, and they can do that they charge you for it and most of these inspections are going to run 200 i think 225 250 ish right in there uh to camera the sewer line uh and and what we're seeing jim is when we get these offers on houses and the inspections you know and people can do however many inspections they want within the time frame they're allowed um you're seeing some agents recommend that they do the cameraing of the line in, in municipalities that aren't mandated on the point of sale. Right. And Duluth is one of those where it's not mandated, but uh, Proctor isn't. And Proctor, has you have to do it as part of the sale. So what happens is they come out, they do the cameraing, and in some of the access to the sewer lateral line, there's what they call a J-trap. And and that's kind of a little U-shaped uh uh, part that the property, and I believe the concept of it was to keep sewer gases from coming back into the house. But they can't get those cameras around the J traps. Oh, right. You know? And when they stick those cameras, cameras down and the J traps there, they can't do the they can't do the camera inspection. And so what has to happen 
plumber out there, they have to break up the floor and they have to take that J-trap out and they have to allow it so they can access out into the sewer lateral line so they can inspect it. And this has to be done in these communities where it's, it's a point of sale and, and it's mandated. So uh, this situation on the, on the one house I just sold up in Proctor to where we had to negotiate on the inspection that, hey, the sellers have to, to get the J-trap out of there and inspect the line to make sure it conforms with that ordinance. And, you know, this is almost an extra $2,000 wow. that it's going to cost the sellers in, the, in this particular situation just to get the thing inspected. And then if the line is bad from the house to the city sewer line, then what? You know? So if well, we're if not you... having these conversations with people, when we do the market analysis, I think we're kind of missing the boat because I think it's a re- reality now that people are doing this, these inspections and they're doing them as part of their inspections and uh, we got to make sellers aware of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And so I, I have a, you know, obviously the J trap is installed so that the, the basement doesn't, doesn't backfill in case of, uh, you know, flooding conditions. And now they're breaking that out and clearing it out so you can have a camera. I'm just wondering, you know, that kind of defeats the purpose of why it was put in in the first place. So that's got to be kind of a situation that people go, well, geez, <laughs> you know, that's there for a reason. But I guess, you know, with these requirements, that's what you got to do. So very interesting stuff. Um, have you seen um, a lot of these? Uh, I've never seen one of the one of the um, lateral line inspection videos. Um, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I go to these inspections. And, I, and when I go there, if they're going to do the lateral line inspection, I ask the inspector to do that first because I want to see it. And actually, I pull out my iPhone and I take video of what they're doing so we can see it. Right. And, and you know, they have the, the – uh, they record all the stuff. It has to be sent to the municipality, and the municipality has to view it and approve it, and then they send it back to the seller. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting stuff to, to be able to go out and see how this all works and – and yeah, I, I do like to see that. You know. Yeah, it's very, very interesting how how uh, the different things that home inspectors are are able to look at, able to examine, and and now um, you know required to examine. You know, in a lot of instances, like I don't know how much about. time we have left, Jim, but I had one done uh, a, about two a couple minutes. of weeks ago, and um, listen, this was like a three hundred foot sewer line run from this house to the city sewer line. And obviously those, you know, these inspectors' cameras generally are 100 feet, maybe 150 feet. So, that, I mean, there's no way they can get down to, to see the whole thing. Right. And, uh, and, and so when you have a run like that, uh, which is unusual, but they do exist in some of the houses, that uh, uh, if that has to be repaired, that's a, that's a pretty extensive uh you know, bill for somebody to, to want to assume. So I think the important thing for us as the real estate community is we have to be having these conversations with people that are thinking about selling their house, regardless of where it is. If it's in any municipality that's connected to the uh, uh, WLSSD sewer line, uh, we've, we've got to be making people aware of it and, you know, letting people know and, and understanding the cost associated with the what ifs, you know, with doing these inspections. Yep, exactly. All right, well, Gary, that ends this segment. Uh, Folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. We're going to come back and wrap it up, so hang in. Hey, welcome back to the last segment of this Saturday's Twin Ports Real Estate Show. 
Jim Ronding and Gary Callagher here from Remax Results. And uh, if you want to reach me, my phone number is 218-348-7653. And Gary? Folks, you can reach me at 218-390-0615. And I want to put a shout out there, too, for I'm looking for an apartment for somebody and they, they want to pay about $750 a month. If anybody's got a vacant apartment, give me a call. I'd like to help these folks out. And uh, there you go. All right. Um, I think the other thing that we should put out there, too, is that uh, a lot of people are curious about, you know, real estate and what's my house worth and uh, keep those phone numbers because um, that's part of our business development is to give free evaluations, free market evaluations of what your house would sell for in today's crazy market. Um, so if you need those services, give uh, Gary or myself a call and we can help you out. All right, Gary, you want to talk yeah, a little bit about Go ahead. One of the th important things I think that for people to remember is you and I both, we're out there in the trenches. You know, we're out there working, we're going through houses, we're, we're, we're doing this stuff. And so we have a, a really good understanding of, of how houses compare to one another, just because we get into so many houses. And I think that that's an important thing for people to, to, uh, to know, that uh, we don't just sit here on the radio spewing out information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're out there hustling and working and, and, and doing our jobs. Yep, that's right. All right, so you have some stats that you wanted to go over before we uh, before we check out for this week. Yep, uh, and this is for the uh, the loose side of the bridge. Uh, we currently have 335 active listings, and the active the average list price is 369 thousand uh, dollars so far this year, Jim. And uh, uh, and then when I say the Duluth side of the bridge, I mean we're Duluth, Cloquet, Two Harbors. It's the whole MLS area. We've, so far this year, we've sold 818 homes uh, with an average sale price of $241,000. So there's a big difference between the average list price and the average sale price when you compare them to one another. Right. And, and then we, we currently have 300 properties that are pending or pending inspection. They're under contract. And the average uh, price of those properties is $260,000. And when you break it down, Jim, and you look at the, uh, uh, the different localities. Duluth has 149 active listings uh, with an average list price of $425,000. But when you look at the average list price of the 521 homes that have sold in Duluth proper, it's $237,000. So a big difference between those two numbers, yeah. uh, you know, for Duluth and uh, uh, the listed properties and the sold properties. So uh, Hermantown has... Uh, 25 active listings with an average list price of $450,000. Uh, and as far as sold price uh, values, uh, Hermantown has sold 56 homes this year with an average sale price of $365,000. And uh, uh, you, know, you look at Cloquet, and Cloquet has sold uh, 82 homes this year with an average sale price of 185. So Cloquet is a good market. It's doing well. And, and uh, that'll have to do it, Gary. We're, we're pretty much out of time. So why don't you shout out your phone All number? Right. Phone number one more well, time. Reach me at 218-390-0615, and thanks for listening. Yep, and my number is 218-348-7653. And, yes, also thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend and the rest of our summer. And thank you for listening to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show.